I don't remember where Andy is. Hello and welcome to episode 168 of the Erasable Podcast. Tonight we are down one pencil podcaster and up one pen super podcaster. I'm Johnny Gamber with Tim Wassum and Brad Dowdy of the Pen Addict is here tonight to tie up our trio while Andy is away for the week. Hey guys. Hello. What's up, Johnny? Thanks for joining us, Brad. Yeah, Brad. Like, yeah. I have uh I have uh big shoes to fill. Oh, I'm sitting here with um <laughs> a Twisby and a Sharpie wanting you to sign it, but I forgot that uh we can't do that over the internet. <laughs> <laughs> One day, <laughs> will you sign me, Brad? Will you sign my Twisby? I, that, you know, the last time we were all together was the last pin show I went to. But you know, who yeah. wants to think about those things? I was wow. tempted to go to the Gosh. DC one, and then everyone was pulling out. I'm like, yeah, no, yeah, it would have been fun. <laughs> I'm with you. If it was oh, in yeah. DC that- and not Virginia, yeah. And based on the stories you've been telling me, I don't know if they would they would have had to kick you out like Sunday afternoon, probably. Maybe. <laughs> if I made it that far. So um, I messaged you guys earlier this week and like, hey, what do you want to talk about? And Brad was like, zines and stationery. So we're going to talk about that tonight. And um, ever since was it September, when Ed Kemp was on um, episode 150, Ed Kemp being edit- the author of Pencil of the Week, the first pencil zine, um, it seems like zines are blowing up among our little corner of the universe um, between people who create the stationary content, people who consume it. So later on, we're going to talk about the connection between zines and stationary and the role that these self-published gems play in the larger stationary community. But before that, why don't we do our tools of the trade and let our guest go first? Oh boy. You actually caught me on a really great week. Um, (laughs) I did that on purpose. For. (laughs) <laughs> for like actually having to to be able to fill in some of the some of the uh the questions you always ask every week you know the consuming and the writing with so i i just finished two books so is or is, is this the proper time to to do my consuming yeah totally. <laughs> <laughs> i just finished two books and uh started started another one which i'm i love reading but i tend to go in like these fits and starts kind of thing so i'll go for like two or three months without finishing in a book. And then I'll just like start to hammer out about four or five books in a row and then stop again. I don't know why I can't really explain that, but I just finished full spectrum, which is a book about color and Adam Rogers, the author he's worked for wired for 25 years. Maybe I've been online friends with him for well over a decade. And he sent me this book and knowing you know, how I think about color all the time and how color is created. And, you know, recently how we can fight over which artists own color. If y'all have followed the the Vanta Black saga, which I believe y'all have. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, so it kind of covers like all the way from the, you know, how color, you know, first came to be understood, the science behind it, and kind of the modern takes on it. So it was really, really good. I'm going to do a, um, I sent Adam a Q&A. We're going to do an email, uh, email q and I'm going to publish on the blog because I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this book. It was really great. That's really cool. That, that reminds me of something I wanted to talk to Andy about, but he's not here. 
and I'm going to ask him <laughs> at some point, but you know, he has this obsession with green, mm-hmm. like it's his favorite color of ink. And he's got all these different samples that he's trying. And I actually learned the other day, something about how green is the color that our eye can recognize the most variety in. Hmm. Yeah, there's there is actually a whole section in the book about, you know, the color blindness and which receptors are like the main receptors and how, you know, what's the 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 main colors that they can see, you know, more mm-hmm. so than than the others. That's like a whole, a whole chapter in the book. So this this okay. book feels like way short. I mean, it's a big book, but like each chapter is taking this period in time. And like, you have one chapter about, you know, okay, how does the eye actually see and perceive color? And is it, you know, physical is like, where does the brain play into that? And like, that could be like, you know, an entire semester, like college course, if not years, you know, in the one chapter. Very cool. So it was, uh, it was really good. And I will probably read it again. I have a bunch of notes from that. So Adam, uh, definitely, definitely hooked me up with that and picked the right guy to read that book. Secondly, uh, I just finished, I finished full spectrum like a week and a half ago. And then I finished subdivision, which is a fiction book by J Robert Lennon, who y'all are probably familiar with. Oh yeah. I'm guessing I've I've been desperate for their podcast to come back. (laughs) (laughs) I love their podcast. It's so unique, isn't it? Like uh, it's just kind of wild. And that's what this book is like. If any listeners have read any of J. Robert Lennon stuff, like this, this book is, I think I've read maybe four or five of his novels. I don't know how many he has. He has probably mm-hmm. twice that many. Yeah. I think he has seven or eight books or something yeah. like that. This is easily the weirdest one. Like, oh, cool. By a pretty good margin. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I tweeted him, I said, okay, I finished and I don't even know what to say. <laughs> and I think that's kind of the point. And he, his reply was something along the lines of, Brad, I could not have received uh, <laughs> a, a higher praise. Thank you. Mission I'm accomplished. Like, yeah. yeah. And I was also at the same time, I was like, damn it. Tell me something about the book. <laughs> what did I just read? <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's wild. I like I, I can't even do it justice if anyone's interested in uh, just kind of really. I don't even know how to describe it. It's not like sci-fi or fantasy or you know like historical fiction it's just like he tells these stories there's oftentimes some you know some weirdness going on in these stories and then he puts it puts it together just wonderfully i love his writing and uh i'll read anything that that he puts out so i i really really enjoyed that so i needed a cleanse (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from the fiction <laughs> and my brain being broken. I'm like, okay. So like I did full spectrum. I mostly read like nonfiction stuff. So fiction is really like the outlier for me. So I went right back into nonfiction with uh, a book I picked up a while ago based on a podcast I listened to. And uh, the book is called we are each other's harvest. And I just found the story behind it. Very interesting. It's in short, it's basically about, um, African-American farmers in the U.S. after emancipation, how, you know, the difficulties that they had, the struggles they had, and then the growth that they had that was, you know, has ended up being all taken away from them, you know, around the turn of the 1900s and, you know, the the struggles that they've had and the comeback they're trying to lead you know, on a like single farm by farm basis, essentially. And I'm only about 
a quarter of the way through it. It's 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 really good learning a lot. I, I really like to read books where I can I can learn things like full spectrum and uh, we are, are each other's harvest. So it's uh it's great so far. I'm really digging it. And uh you know, I'll probably finish that this week or so and then we'll see what we get into next. Awesome. All right. So we're writing with <laughs> this is the question mm-hmm. you're gonna regret it. <laughs> Asking, asking me, asking me, I should say, because I put in your show notes, like this long list of stuff. This is literally like the kit that I write with on like a day-to-day basis. So I just told you all the things that I'm actually using right now. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And it starts off with my planner, which is a William Hanna planner. And it's a disc bound system. And it's the William Hanna is based in the UK and they, uh, make like this leather bound disbound system where you can insert the pages, you know, you have the hole punched type pages in there and I use it for basically my daily planning. So I use a page per day format. It's got like the times listed on the left side of the page and then like an open space on the right side just for notes and things like that. Like, you know, I was making notes about the podcast tonight on today's page, things like that. And on top of that, I use just like a regular journal. Well, uh, this journal's irregular in that it's like not basic at all. This is probably the most expensive journal I've ever bought. It's a Masubi journal from um, kind of like the Masubi Labs. I forget what uh, Daryl calls this section of products that he sells, but it's like experimental fabrics or, you know, just rare, unique fabrics. And this is a uh, Japanese dyed indigo. It's called iridescent indigo. And it's an A5 journal. It's really, really pretty. It's really, really expensive. And it's really, really nice. It uses bank paper, which is kind of my go-to paper. I'm not a super Tomoe River paper person. I love Tomoe River, but I use things like pencils and roller balls and gel pens. And they just, they're not awesome on Tomoe River as much as I love it. So I use a more uh, broader range paper with the bank paper. Um, and this this notebook's just kind of perfect. Each week, I grab my planner and I, I schedule out my week on Monday and I always pick a pen to do like all my planning this week. It's the Shown Design Ultim fountain pen. And Ian Schoen sent me that a few weeks ago, and I've just been kind of smitten with it. It's this really unique material. I don't know if y'all are familiar with Ultim. Um, I wasn't before uh, a different brand, a different company made a, an Ultim pen, but it's basically, it's like a medical grade plastic. Interesting. So it's designed to be, it's, I guess it's got two main features. It's extremely durable and for our purposes, it cleans out extremely well, right? Um, so you, you, your blood's not sticking in the pen, I guess, uh, <laughs> is the medical purpose. But <laughs> it, it, as it turns out, it's really good for eyedropping a pen because the ink, you like can't stain it, really. And it just kind of washes out. And then on top of that, the barrel is really, really strong. So it's this cool material and it's lightweight in, in the case of Ian's pen, like he can machine it down. It's, it's machined and the wall thickness is pretty thin. So it's actually, it's almost an ultralight pen that can just 
take a full beating and destruction and clean very well. So he engineered it to be like an easy eyedropper pen. It's got a bunch of O-rings in it and you just fill up, fill up the barrel with ink and screw it back together and it sloshes around and you're good to go. So I filled it up with Pilot Oroshizuku Shinkai, which is my favorite blue black ink. And I, I just started using that today. So that's kind of my pen of the week. And I, I still use a billion other pens, but that's like my journaling planning pen. Mm-hmm. Um, for the week. So that goes in my, my notebook. And then I have a couple of other just kind of a side accessories I use around the planner. I use a, a highlighter called the Pilot Fit Line, which we got a huge kick out of. And I don't know if either of y'all have seen something like this, <clears throat> but the highlighter, I was like, you, you open it up and it looks like a highlighter tip, but it has a notch around the top end of like the felt tip of like the chisel highlighter. And I was like, why is there a notch there? Well, it's in theory, it's supposed to bend. And I'm like, why would you want a highlighter tip that could bend? And the best we could figure out is the idea is that if you're highlighting like a large textbook and the page curves, it'll manage the curve. Well, I don't know that anyone's ever had that problem. (laughs) Or does but, it have somehow, could it have something to do with highlighting like Japanese characters or something or? Yeah, I don't know. At I first know. I thought, well, maybe it's like for a ruler, like a weird type of ruler where it's just going to kind of like notch in there or something. But yeah, it was just, it was weird. And like, that's the best we could come up with in like all the descriptions we read is like, why would you want this? So I just use it as a basic <laughs> highlighter. I mean, it's like, and these highlighters are fantastic. They're kind of like lighter pastel colors and you know it's it's actually two-sided it has like a, you know the sharper marker tip on the other side but man it's just a flat great highlighter i don't need the the chisel tip to flex for anything <laughs> but um it's just a pretty good highlighter and i use that on a we've had a, a running conversation around rulers on the panatic podcast over the past month or two so i've been exploring rulers and i have this little 15 centimeter brass travelers company ruler that that stays with my planner and like all of these things I just mentioned, like this is like my little kit that every day I go to my desk and like, these are the things that are in it. You know, the notebooks don't change, but the pens do. And um, yeah, I just have fun putting this little kit together every week. That's awesome. That's so organized. (laughs) (laughs) In theory. Yes. I'm like, uh, where's that pen? And then you could do like at the end of your list, just do one of those little like in parentheses, like plus 100 or something for all the other pens that you use throughout the week for your. I mean, I'm not going to lie. As I sit here and stare (laughs) at this exact kit, um, I'll give you the count. Let's do it. See if I can do it real quick. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Like 23 other pens within reach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> so <laughs> that—that's normal. That's probably light. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> now I—I f- I feel minimalist. And I don't <laughs> right. like that. <laughs> I don't like this. Order that Twisby, Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> I got a very philo- philosophical question um, that we have not approached on the uh, Panatic podcast yet. It just came in last week to the Ask TPA hotline. Mm-hmm. Basically, the, the question was, and not to totally derail everything, but Go for it. The, the question was, can you be a pen addict and also be a minimalist? Sure, why not? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think yeah. it's absolutely right. Yeah. 
like as long as I, you're particular about yeah. what you use and you're mindful about what you use. Yeah. You know, like, yeah maybe I even like, more so. I don't know. <laughs> I yeah, paused like, for a I'm split so second. Picky. Yeah. It's like I paused for a split second and I was like, no, you can absolutely be a pen addict and be a minimalist. Um, they're like, and just functionally, those are like, you make. those are like the, the pen addicts who've reached Nirvana, like the ones who are also a minimalist. You <laughs> can, <laughs> yeah. can be like obsessed, but not just compulsively keep buying stuff that you'll, you know, maybe be able to use for a week and then won't touch for seven years or something. So that feels like the ultimate version of the pen, <laughs> of yeah. a pen addict is the person who's <laughs> able to harness it. Yeah. That's the, the definite level up. <laughs> or like, I really like big crystals, but I like the French ones with the different colored cap. I think that's very mm-hmm. pen addicty. Yep. Like the specific version of the cheap pen, which is still cheap if you, you know, know where to look. Yeah. And that's kind of like the perfect example of it. It's like, it's very specific, very particular. Yeah. And totally worth it every time. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all 150 of them that you've got in your closet are totally oh yeah <laughs> well, sorry 250 <laughs> I, um, y'all aren't so, allowed to come to my house yeah. my fountain pens are in binders when they're empty so they're out of the way and I'm like I don't have that many fountain pens if it's in three binders like really really big binders <laughs> but yeah you gotta weigh them maybe that's what oh no 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 <laughs> <laughs> Waterman just a lot of brass. That's going to be some. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to uh, jump in, Mr. Tim? Yes, absolutely. So I've been watching, finally getting to watch Ted Lasso season two, which been looking forward to watching, but had been holding off because of the Olympics. Cause that's kind of all I watched for like three weeks. So uh, it's really good to see that mustache back in my life. <laughs> I, <laughs> our title. I love that show so much. I I think I watched the first season three times total. Mm-hmm. I just kept watching it over and over again. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's good. If you haven't watched it, I'm reading, I just started a new novel a couple of days ago uh, called Hamnet. You guys heard of this? <clears throat> it's a, uh, it came out right at the beginning of 2020 and it's, it was a buzz book, I guess, or it was on a bunch of best of the year lists and it's just an incredible to- story of timing because the novel is called Hamnet, a novel of the plague. <laughs> it came out at the beginning of 2020. Um, and it, first of all, before I explain what it is, it's a s- absolutely beautifully written book. She's, she's the ultimate Maggie O'Farrell is the writer and she writes. So it's like, she, she's, she's so good at taking her time like all of her descriptions, she just stops and spends as much time as she needs to describing what we need to know or what'll make us feel like we're there without it feeling like a Dickens novel where we're spending way too much time describing something or, or, or whatever. And yeah, it's just really beautifully written. And so the story Hamnet, which when you hear Hamnet, you think Hamlet, right? Like from Shakespeare, um, his son Hamnet was a footnote to his story because he died when Hamnet died when he was 12 years old, I think it was. And so they always would say like in Shakespeare biographies that I've read or documentaries and stuff, they say, Oh, and Hamnet died when he was 12. And some think that that has some connection to Hamlet, which the premise of this novel is like, Hey, academics who are saying there's no connection, you're a moron because first of all, in Tudor England, Hamlet and Hamnet were the same name because spelling was just improvised 
Like they just kind of wing it. I don't know if you ever heard that, but if you, if you look at Shakespeare's signatures um, that, that are on record, he spelled his name like six different ways. Oh, wow. Um, spelled it with an X once, which I wish that one stuck. Oh, I need so to live awesome. in a world like that. I'm a really bad speller. Yeah, I would, that would be great for me. See, I'm but, old fashioned. So, <laughs> So, so this is a novel about Hamnet, his son, uh, and you know, like Shakespeare's away, uh, in London. And it just tells the story of like who this kid was, who's this little footnote in history. And it tells the story of him and his family coming across the plague. So it, this book caught on because all these people who were stuck at home ended up reading this book about 500 years ago, people being stuck home. It's a great book. So I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And the last thing I've been listening to, I've talked about that on the show before, but this band Mandolin Orange, uh, which is kind of a folk duo, husband-wife folk duo, and they changed their name. Oh, really? Yeah, um, which is not something you see every day, but they changed their name to Watch House. And I remember when I first got into Mandolin Orange, I always told people when I was saying, like, their music is incredible, you need to listen to it, when I tell you the name of the band... (laughs) I'm just going to tell you that it's probably some sort of like tongue in cheek inside joke that just got out of hand. <laughs> That's like how I described it to people. I'm like this band name. You're going to be like, what mandolin orange. Uh, and maybe that was why I don't know, but now they're called watch house and they just came out with their first album as watch house. And the album is called watch house and it's a, it's a delightful album. So was, I've been listening to it pretty much nonstop for a few days. It came out last Friday. Yeah, our our musical tastes overlap pretty greatly, and I haven't heard that, so I'm going to make sure I add that into my queue now because I, I want to make sure I catch up. Yeah, it's really good, really, really good. Um, and all Mandolin Orange I love yeah. deeply. I listen to it all the time, but uh, Watch House is cool. The first song, I think I, I – I always, like, seasonally I'll make a playlist, and I just keep adding stuff to it that catches my ear. And the first song on that album, uh, Wondrous Love, I think it's called. But that one just went straight to the playlist because it's got a really, really great sound. I love it. And I am writing with a, I've got a a fountain pen out in honor of our guest. Uh, And it's also a Twisby, which I feel like is the first big purchase that I made because of your podcast. (laughs) 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 It was a Twisby 580, but right now I've got a Twisby 580 ALR. What does the R stand for? Uh, That's a great question. Never figured it out, but yeah, it's know. the A. So it's it's the Twisby five eighty, but with the uh, the metal parts, and I got the nickel one. Yeah, I don't know if the R is yeah. because they do the ridges on the grip. That's the only thing I could think oh, of. Oh yeah, top yeah, of my yeah. head. I like those ridges. Those mm-hmm. are quality mm-hmm. ridges. Um, so I, I like <laughs> <laughs> dig the ridges, and I've got it inked up with Waterman Absolute Brown, which I got uh, about a week ago. How is that? I think it's great. It's really great. Um, it's, I've got the, the medium nib and originally I, I had this, the fine nib in there and I swapped it out just cause it was, I wasn't getting enough, enough juiciness like I like. <laughs> and now that I got the medium in there, it's got a, a lot of fun shading and it makes me feel like I'm writing a, you know, a letter home from the civil war battlegrounds of the South or something. It's got that kind of <laughs> antique look, but yeah, I love this pen and I've been using, um, I'm still like still working through my, my loose term. I'm in one of those seasons of life where I'm just constantly starting new notebooks too. So that's a problem. Yeah, I need to figure out how to, how to rein that in because <laughs> it's like things are scattered all over the place. Well, that's me. How about you, Johnny? Um, so I just got back from vacation and I haven't read a damn book in two or three weeks. So I kind of feel bad about that because you guys are reading good stuff. So I'm going to skip over that. I've seen the entire series, I think three times, but I started rewatching Endeavor again because it's possibly the greatest show on TV. 
Um, have you guys seen this before on Masterpiece? I have not. I've I heard not. of it, but I haven't seen oh, it. Oh, it's so good. It's, um, you know, the story of Inspector Morse as a young man in Oxford. And um, he always has a moleskin and a Parker Jotter, which is cool. So and the Parker Jotter is so, clo- so tied to his character, they'll leave it on a desk to highlight the fact that he's not there. Sometimes oh, just, wow. just really, really cool. I might have bought 10 Parker Jotters the first time I watched the show. <laughs> no, I'm not joking. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's good. There's a lot of good stationary porn in it. Unlike Grant Chester, usually it's at least um, an attempt to replicate the old one. Like they had those um, Kegerland quote unquote retro pens on Grant Chester mm-hmm. all the time. Like, dude, come on. Yeah. You could get like a Parker Jotter or something or a pencil. But um, <laughs> so I have been reading Behind the Zines, which just came out and is one of my favorite zines in the whole world. Yeah, there's an interview yeah. with uh, Ed and I in there. I'm not sure how much of mm-hmm. the crap I was talking about Baltimore wound up in the final cut. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I need to get it. It's the zine about zines and it's talked full of content. I love it. Oh, which issue was it? There was a one issue where they talked about why you should get a uh, copier. That was Ed's article. I had one in my cart on Amazon after reading that. But um, yeah, the other thing is I've been listening to the Cranberries a lot because my kids asked about Irish music. And I was like, well, how about some Irish grunge? So we were digging that. Plus, it's a good time of year as the kids are about to go back to school to listen to somewhat depressing music <laughs> from a band that broke up for depressing reasons. So, yes, they did. Yeah. I'm going to move on really quickly to, uh, so <laughs> in honor of, uh, Tim who sent me this pen and our, our guest host tonight, I have a Twisby go loaded up with diamine Oxford blue, which is a really nice color. And I'm writing in my bullet journal, my Rodia, what do you call this one? The goal book. That's almost done. And the, these things are so nice and really durable. I'm really digging it. So uh, we're going to jump into fresh points before we start talking about punk photocopied newspapers. <laughs> you want to go first, Brad? Yeah. And I have one that I'm, I was so anxious to get this product. And it's sort of pencil related. I mean, it's totally pencil related, but not in the wooden pencil uh, realm. It is the Karen Dash Nespresso fixed pencil. So I'm a huge Karen Dash fixed pencil fan, right? It's just this, it's essentially like, it's like the Parker Jotter, right? It's been around forever. It's a two millimeter core in, you know, like a mechanical pencil barrel, but not really, I guess it's really their 849 ballpoint barrel, which is just this classic, you know, six-sided design, very standard looking, very official looking. And then they do some, you know, over the last, I don't know, lots of years, they've done some special editions and limited editions. That's when I kind of latched onto them. It's like, oh, look at these really cool colors and cool, cool partnerships that they've done. And I couldn't believe how much I enjoyed that 2.0 millimeter core. Like it was soft and dark but it it held up well and it traveled well and like i could take it anywhere and everywhere and use it so what karen dash did was i don't know several years ago their popular 849 ballpoint line it's an aluminum barrel pen and they worked with nespresso the like the the one shot coffee maker Mm -hmm. and their little pods that they use they got into the recycling business with them to make these pen barrels right for the 849 ballpoint pen. And they were pretty popular. They charged a premium, of course. I mean, Karen Dash is 
one of the most expensive like basic brands out there and then you add anything premium and you know they're going to get you um <laughs> but i still love them i still love them because i i just love their designs they're just so classic and so nice so they finally came out with the nespresso barrel the recycled barrel fix pencil and um they sent me one and it's this you know kind of rust orange it's like super my aesthetic and it's shiny it's aluminum and you know it looks great but the one thing i didn't know that they did was add coffee grounds to the traditional fixed pencil core what? so so the fixed pencil core what in the nespresso has 25 percent coffee grounds in the mixture to make the 2.0 millimeter core no way. so i could write with coffee you can if you want to write terribly oh <laughs> there, there i it knew is. there was like a catch I, I was waiting i was waiting for that That's it is crazy. legitimately that well? yeah. it is legitimately bad and oh, like karen dash is like a premium brand and like they did such a good job and then they took it like one step too far and <laughs> you know the one thing they that jumped the, the shark yeah oh, well yeah. the one thing that i i i was a uh, a week too soon because apparently they also released the swiss wood with nespresso like dipped in colors like the 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 colors that they're using like the green and the red and the yellow like to i guess mimic some of the the nespresso colors and use the same coffee ground core in those and it's it's equally as bad and i'm sad i'm sad because you know it just wasn't uh if they would have just stuck with the barrel and the traditional fixed pencil core which is legitimately one of my favorite like just writing utensils i keep it on my desk all the time this one (laughs) <laughs> not so good. Not so good, guys. <laughs> don't don't drink your your pencil leads. Um, you can't. Uh, it, I don't know. Maybe this would be better if you could like reconstitute it into coffee somehow. Right with it. Don't give me ideas. <laughs> <laughs> so Johnny went from I can write with coffee to I can drink pencils. <laughs> like, like, why are there so many holes in your arm? I'm just seeing if it works, man. Yeah, it's actually like it's it's just like it's really scratchy hard. and light and it's it's not enjoyable. So I'm sad. That's disappointing. Jeez. I kinda wanna cry. Bummer. Yeah. <laughs> so my, my fresh points was a little bit of a bummer, but I thought uh, you know, you guys would, would appreciate the pencilness of it. Yeah. I wanna see those uh wooden ones. I'm gonna check those out. Yeah, they're the same, the the dark Swiss wood. And they have different colored dipped end caps. They're kind of shiny. Um, yellow, green, and red. And then the core is 25% coffee grounds instead of the regular Swiss wood core that they I, use. I wonder how that affects the uh, archivability because coffee's pretty acidic. Hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. Oh, I don't want to think about it. This is making me cry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, man. As, um, are those your... Your points? Yes, what that is that is my point. <laughs> going to end on a depressing note like I did. Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have a writer's block trick? I do. <sighs> I want to hear about it. And this. I'm very excited about sharing this with you. Good. Okay. Just, just bear with me here. <laughs> uh, I stumbled across this trick in the last two weeks. 
and we'll see if it like lasts the you know the test of time. And this is going to sound like a humble brag, but sometimes I like I get to a point when I've got a project that I really care about and that I want to make a lot of progress on. My handwriting looks too good <laughs> sometimes, mm. and so I see it on the page, and I'm like, my handwriting looks fancier and better than what I'm making. Does that make sense? <laughs> I have never no. had that experience. No. It's, it just feels like it feels like my my handwriting, which I work on that more than I work on my writing. So it's like my handwriting looks like amazing. And I read it, I'm like, this is just disgust. This is garbage. Whatever. And this doesn't always bug me, but it was bugging me that day. So it's just like I feel like such a fraud. I have good handwriting. You, I have nice pens, but I can't finish anything. You do have great handwriting. Yeah, I mean, it's if I switch to print like non cursive, it looks like a like 10 year old who forgot that he's right-handed. Um, <laughs> but so here's the trick. So I switched to my computer and I just had this thought, this thought crossed my mind. It's like, well, you know, sometimes like when I'm writing on a computer, I have a problem because it looks like a book, right? And it's like, it looks too final or something. It's kind of the same problem, but just in text. Here's what I did. I was in Google docs and I switched to 16 point comic sans <laughs> And I am not kidding. I've been so productive in the last two weeks because you cannot take yourself seriously writing in Comic Sans in a large font. Oh my god! And it just like it just broke me free. It, was, <laughs> it just blew my mind. And so I, I, you know, you get to the end of something, and then you just select all, switch it to Garamond or something fancy like that, and then you're you're back to the real world, and then you feel like feel like the real deal. So I'm making buttons. I'll send you guys one. Because I told my students about this, because they were, and, and a bunch of them have started doing it. I was like, can you switch your document to Comic Sans? And they're like, no. I'm like, trust me, trust me. Switch to Comic Sans. There's, you can't take yourself seriously, and you will just write. And so it was to work for a bunch of kids. So I'm making buttons. A teacher at my school is helping me. We have a button press, and we're making buttons that say, uh, Comic Sans doesn't believe in your writer's block. <laughs> so. So that's my writer's block tip. I mean, and it's, I, I, I promise you just, it's, it works in, in case I forget. I know this is jumping the gun, but you should totally make a zine about that and obviously mm. do it in <laughs> that font in comic sans. Yeah. You do like a, a quarter sheet yeah. where there are three words on a page. I would, <laughs> I would buy that and give it to all my friends who write. Yeah. I yeah. could see it being like a rage writing thing. Just like, I hate this so much. And now <laughs> I'm just like, I'm amped up and all the words it's, are just going to start flying. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's fair. And it's, it's like that, uh, uh Johnny, you were uh, recently, you had written something about, and you, you mentioned, uh, Natalie Goldberg mm -hmm. and she had in writing down the bones. She has a, a section where she talks about writing in notebooks and how she only uses like cartoon character spiral notebooks that she buys on sale at, grocery stores like after back to school season because she can't take herself seriously. So she's writing with this like Schaefer fountain pen that she loves, but she's using these junky notebooks with like superheroes and football teams on the front just so that she doesn't take herself too seriously. It's kind of like, it's kind of like some version of that. I like it. Yeah. So there I mean, you go. Do you do like caps lock? No, no. <laughs> oh man. That's some next level stuff. Johnny. I haven't done that yet. I'm like in green <laughs> change the color. No, yeah. Oh gosh, that's a great idea. Switch, yeah, switch it to like, like fuchsia or something. Oh yeah, um, that would hurt your eyes though. Oh man, that would hurt my yeah. eyes. There's some green that might be good. Oh, this is great. 
thanks guys. This is see, mm-hmm. this is fodder uh, for your your um <laughs> Tim's writer's trick. Tim's writing trick. This scene, yeah, number one. They mess with like the coding so that the like the lines aren't even straight. They kind of wave. Oh man, or something. It's just just a mess. Just make it look as terrible as possible. I wonder if there's a plugin and you for finish that. the novel. Hmm? I wonder if there's a plugin for that for Google Docs. Oh, there's got to be something. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> So that's me. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that's me. So Johnny, how about you? So, um, <laughs> I just saw the document. <laughs> <laughs> I've been staring at it the whole time. <laughs> that's funny. I've been, I've been too zoned in on my, on dropping a knowledge bomb on you guys. And I didn't even notice that you changed it to fresh or changed it to comic. Sans. So, that's um, related question. If you don't take yourself seriously, do you think this would work? I don't take myself seriously enough. And, Oh, I already laugh at myself I, the whole time I'm writing. Like, that's that's but that's why you're so productive, Johnny. That's why you put out eleven zines a week is because <laughs> no. you, you don't think about it and you just do it and they're great. And but me, it's just like I'm just I got my head up my butt too much and this I got I got to resort to the size sixteen comic sans and then bring me back to earth. Okay, if you don't make to a blog. remind myself that I haven't finished anything. <laughs> What? If you don't do a scene about this, I'm going to do it and put your name on it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I had a little piece in the pen zine about, um, the big crystal, which I jumped the gun on because I didn't have the big renew, which I think we talked about on this podcast, not the secret ink one. That's the, um, the new big quote unquote crystal that's made of metal and refillable. So, um, I found some. I don't know if it's in all areas, but around here, we're like super Amazon town. You know, you can get stuff in like five minutes and they'll ship stuff from Amazon UK for free now, which is awesome. And that includes a two pack of the Bic Renew for like 20 bucks, one of each color, the blue and the black. And they come in a totally plastic free case that's cardboard with two extra refills. And they're so freaking cool. At first I didn't like the cap was plastic, but I realized that if it wasn't, it wouldn't work. So um, yeah, if you like big crystals, get one of these some guns cause they're really cool. And they have an eject button to pop the refill out, which I keep messing with constantly. Yeah. I'm looking at the marketing on there and like it says refillable and like a huge, huge, huge print on there. And then under that it says rechargeable, except, that's probably like refillable in French. <laughs> but I'm like, how is this pen rechargeable? But it's just rechargeable. Probably for like refillable. No, you you uh, hook it up to a coffee pot. It's rechargeable that way. <laughs> you, you feed it the uh, Karen Dash pencil cores. Yeah, I, I don't know anywhere that has uh, the refills yet. But, you know, it comes with three and you're not going to lose this. Like you would lose a regular crystal. So like, that's a lot of writing. You could easily bang out like a NaNoWriMo with two of those. Yeah, these are cool. I'm going to get these. Yeah. Or Comic Sans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start writing in that all the time now. But uh, yeah, I'm really excited about those. And also, um, while I was at the beach, of course, I had to check out a little back to school shopping. And the big crystals that they had at that particular Walmart come in cardboard instead of plastic casing. Uh, I saw your picture. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, I'm, I would like the idea, but it's full of disposable plastic pens so like <laughs> i mean I, I appreciate the effort and they're cool i like having stuff that comes in a box which i'm not joking about but um they they had done away with the um pink and andy's favorite green of the um hmm. 
the jumbo ones and they replaced them with teal and sort of like a nineties pink. And now the old ones are back and the new ones are in there. So there's 10 colors now. And also at Walmart, I found a new product by Ticonderoga that being my first try right in uh, neon. So Rosie's going into kindergarten and Rosie's got some of these, but um, they only had packs that were like a two pack of a green and yellow, but I just saw on Amazon, they make packs of all the neon colors. So uh, that's my new mission. But um, yeah, did you guys ever get the, when did they come out? 2019 when they redid the neons and they started making them in the Chinese factory and they're like, really really nice pencils that just aren't made of cedar no i hadn't tried those. i I remember those and i think i just bucked and forgot about them just because i could tell they weren't cedar because i was being a snob but i wish i would (laughs) have tried them yeah they um they sell like the dozen pack or 10 pack or whatever at walmart henry got some and they're um you know the on these they make blue which is great and the eraser color matches the barrel and the paint finish is like really nice matte quality control is really good it's like, ooh, really nice. I might have a stockpile of those. <laughs> Moving on to our main topic. So um, I think I mentioned before, after Ed was on Erasable, not that Erasable's taking credit for it, but if anything, definitely Ed deserves the credit for a sort of mini explosion of stationary zines, headed, of course, by Pencil of the Week, which has been around since 2017. It's been a it's while. Under. For folks that don't know, our friend Ed Kemp, who runs the Word Distribution, makes a zine where he writes out reviews of pencils that he uses all week by hand and then copies them when he has enough of them into a zine and puts them out. I guess maybe before we get into the details, we could run through and talk about um, what was our first exposure to zines in general. And, uh, you know, what did you think when you saw one? Yeah. It came about like a, a lot of things in my life through music. Um, back in the late 80s, early 90s, I'm old, remember? We didn't have as much access to the digital world, you know, the internet in its young years. And, you know, at that time, it's like all I wanted to do was find interesting music. And, you know, whether I'm, you know, scouring like import CD singles at Tower Records or whatever, you know, you get into as deep as you can into the the bands and the 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 sounds you're into and then you read about you know you get i was getting magazines you know like nme and melody maker and all these things and eventually you keep digging once you you find these bands that you really like and you're like oh there's these scenes what are these little small tiny little publications that somehow would make it onto like the really rec- obscure record store shelf in like the bottom right corner and like <laughs> what is this all about and you pick some of these up and you're like oh well if this you know zine is out here for i don't know whoever maybe whichever band maybe there's one out there for a band that i like and i at the time i was really big into Morrissey, may he rest in peace. 
Um, at least what he, he used to be. Um, he's, he's not dead. He's just dead to me. I was going to say, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> he's just, he's just dead okay. to me. I don't want to talk yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. Moving on. I understand. Yeah. But yeah, I was a huge Smiths and Morrissey fan, right? So, you know, back in, then this is like in Morrissey's solo career days. Like, it's just like the fan base is ravenous and you would get all of these people just writing these zines. And at the time I could find them online, you know, even though the, you know, the internet was barely chugging along and, you know, it'd take me like a half an hour to connect on my modem to this brick of a laptop. And you could order like, Hey, you know, this person's putting out this zine and it's $5 a month and it comes out four four times a year. And I was like, dang, I'm in. And then you could hear stories of other people like yourself, right? Telling you about the things that you like. In this case, it was Morrissey or music, you know, and just having this individual connection from someone or with someone who liked the same things that you do, but who was just a regular person like you were, you know, they weren't writing for Rolling Stone or they weren't, you know, part of some big, you know, um, you know, big office, big journalistic endeavor is just like, you know, Sam in his basement, you know, stealing, photocopy time at the school <laughs> and then selling it to you for like two bucks. Sounds like kind of like what Johnny does these <laughs> days. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And it was just like fascinating. Like you could connect with these people, right? It was like, Oh, these are my people. Like they're just saying that they're like a super fan and they're just trying to, you know, give you their take on there. And then, you know, I'd find other bands that I like. I remember. So like I subscribed, I still have, a bunch of my Smiths and Morrissey zines from that time period. They're just like stashed away in a box. I've never oh, thrown awesome. those away. Um, and I'll go back and, and reference them sometimes. And just because they were really extremely well done for the time, it was like shockingly good. Um, you know, like glossy covers and things like that, you know, as they continued to grow. And then, you know, the more I got into it, you know, I, you would go to concerts and then I like, I went to a concert. One of my other favorite bands is called the wedding present. And like, you could buy the zine from the lead singer at the merch table after the show. Like, that's just what you did. And I was like, Oh, and by the way, will you autograph this? And it's like, just this cool little piece of memorabilia. That's like super tiny and super small, but like super special to the people who are really into it. And so that's kind of how, it all started for me becoming aware of this phenomenon. That's just kind of like one piece of fandom at the time, you know, it was this really small personal piece of fandom in the music scene. And that's how I got into it. So of course I love seeing, you know, what's happening now in the stationary world. So how about y'all? I know the first, I, the first time I even came across the idea of zines was actually because of my brother-in-law. Uh, who's a writer and I've actually got it in my hand right here. Uh, he is a poet and he published, had published a zine before that I had seen like around, like my wife of course had a copy and her parents had a copy around, but I didn't even, the word zine hadn't even just wasn't something I was aware of until maybe, well, when did this one come out? Cause this is the first time I've heard it called that. This was in uh, 2013. So I, just it, it had been totally off my radar. And then John, his name's John Harkey, and he came out with uh, a little zine, a poetry zine called Mask Work. 
And I'll just send you a picture of it because it's actually really amazing. He got kind of recruited for this project. There's they were calling it the the Little Red Leaves Textile Series. Ooh. But it's yeah, so littleredleaves.com. I don't know if it's still there, but it's printed on this really nice paper. Unfortunately, it doesn't designate what kind of uh, paper. Uh, but she basically the people that got recruited to do it were paired up with a textile artist. And I guess the, he referred to it as a zine. He also called it a chapbook. But uh, it is stitched. Like the cover is stitched with this really cool looking fabric. Uh, and just has a very handmade look, but also feels oddly sturdy. I don't know, I'll send you a picture of it so you can see it. But that was the first time I really remember coming across it. And then once I was aware of them, I, I guess most of my awareness kind of stayed in the literary zine world because of Asheville, North Carolina. And we would go to Asheville and every bookstore in Asheville, there's, there's like three bookstores in Asheville and all of them had a little setup where they, they had local art, like local writers zines uh, for sale. And I bought a few of those over the years with short stories and poetry mostly, but uh, yeah, that was, that was definitely my, my exposure. Uh, what about you, Johnny? I was a summer camp counselor when I was in high school and my friend who was the um, swimming teacher brought one in. And I think that might be the first one I saw. It was so little, um, quarter sheet full of poetry and it was very, you know, punk aesthetic. And he was, he was one of those really cool people who may or may not have been as relaxed as he seemed, but would say stuff like Tevis, they're just shoes or like carry around a fat little notebook and just pour poetry into it all day. I mean, I thought he was the coolest thing. And then when I saw this, I thought that was the coolest thing. Like, Oh, you can just photocopy your poetry and people will read it. That's awesome. But I never made one. And um, yeah, they've always said this like, you know, I am not that cool mystique to them that I only let go of a couple months ago. I don't know if this list is complete, but do you want to run down the list of zines currently put out by stationary folks that are also about stationary? Yeah. Pencil of the Week, of course, by Ed Kemp being, so far as I know, the original one and still the best and coolest and the one I look forward to. Um, some weirdo writes one called Pencil Revolution. Um, there's use journaling from Les from RSVP, which I freaking love. It's great. Love yeah. it. Um, she does a really good job. Yeah. Like the, everything about that's perfect. The writing, the, the, um, production. I'm super, super excited for the next one to come out. And then there's a new pen one by same weirdo called the pen post that it only has one issue so far. So why do you guys think that so many zinesters appear to be fond of stationary? Because, um, like when I talk to people, they're like, oh, I freaking love pens. Or, um, the person who runs, um, Xerography Debt is a huge fountain pen fan. A lot of people just really think about it a lot. What do you guys think that's about? I think a lot of it comes from the creative side of people who, the people that are making zines are the same people like you and I who, if they saw a bit crystal laying, in the parking lot would pick it up and go, hell yeah. (laughs) And (laughs) that mentality translates into like, I maybe I'm stretching this a little too far, but it translates into like, okay, I have this little bug inside of me that finds writing utensils a little bit, you know, maybe more than a little bit. Awesome. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like, so, you know, if I'm someone that is like that, 
that cares that much about like saving a pencil they see laying in the grass, you know, they also probably deep down inside maybe have like, you know, a desire to talk about those things a little more, you know, maybe, uh, maybe I'm, like I said, maybe I'm overthinking it a little bit, but I think like there is a certain type of, of person who, likes to nerd out on like super, super specific things. And like, I could write, I'm don't ask me to do this, Johnny. I'm not going to do it. I could write, <laughs> I could write an entire article about finding a Bic in a parking lot. Like I just could. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's, <laughs> there's not a big audience for that, but the audience for that is like a hundred percent coverage in the Venn diagram of the same person that would pick up a zine with a sketch of a bit crystal on the cover and go, yes, these are my people. So mm-hmm. like, that's kind of a little bit like the world we're living in now to where we can find all of these little niche hobbies and niche ideas and meet new friends and new people um, just from these little creative tidbits of other people wanting to share little bits of their lives. And like, I just think zines are one of the kind of the most expressive ways to do it, right? Like I can write a pen review all day long, but expressing myself in a zine format, like that's pretty cool. Like that's, that's kind of uh, like a next level thing. And so whenever I see it, you know, like from you or Les or Ed or anyone, like I want to support that because like I super, super believe in that art form. Yeah. I, I think one, one, the thing that came to mind for me on this question was that it, most people who are stationary minded, who just care about this kind of stuff, they tend to also be in the ballpark of people who like to, you know, read or, or like creative endeavors in general. And I think that one thing that we all do to a certain extent, I know I do a lot and Johnny and you and I have talked about this, but when you find out about a writer that you love, one of the first questions that people like us ask is, I wonder what they use, (laughs) you know, like I wonder. And so there's something about zines that is almost like you get to skip the middleman of the editor and the publisher. And so these people that, you know, who you like their blogs, you like the things they create, you like the way they talk or the things they talk about. Suddenly you get this just straight line into, you see their handwriting or you see their, what, what their mind would look like if you didn't have this barrier of technology in between you and them. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, I think that's a big part of it is just that we like to see things in their most like elemental format. We, most of us, if we, if somebody walked up and just said like, this is my notebook of random things like lists and things that I use throughout the day. And if for some reason they were like, would you like to look at it? 99% of people in the world would be like, uh, no, why, <laughs> why would I, I'd be like, absolutely. Yeah. Like, <laughs> let me see that. Let me see what kind of doodles you got in here. What are you doing? Like what, what occupies your day and how do you find joy in using these things? That would definitely make sense to me. So I think it's just, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's like skipping the whole process of making things fussy and just getting to see things right at their, at their like elemental core. The sort of Bible for zinesters is called stolen Sharpie revolution. Like for me, what I liked about zines was the sort of cut and paste aesthetic. Even still, when I do one that involves a lot of computering, I don't enjoy making it quite as much as stressful because I don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, if you can get it to look good, you can get it to look perfect. If you're doing it by hand, like whatever, if you can read it, copacetic. 
That's it's really interesting that you mentioned that because we talked a while back when you were first getting into zines and I had an idea for one and I started writing it. I wrote most of one issue using one of your early templates, like the 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 real small one. Mm-hmm. What was what do you call that? It's a oh the single sheet one that you fold up the mini zine. Yes, that one, that one. And I was doing it all on the computer and I just got like locked up. And mm. I didn't know about Comic Sans then, so don't <laughs> judge me on that. But <laughs> no, but seriously, I think part of it was now I'm kind of realizing as we talk about this is that, I mean, if I give this thing a go and if I try to do this, it's it has to be handwritten for me or just like, I mean, just let it be totally on paper and not have to deal with a computer at all. And that might be something that helps me kind of unlock my myself. Yeah, I was trying to do that, but um, my handwriting's not that good. Like, it's not working. <laughs> like, I don't know but if I, Ed pumps his out like that, but I was going to say, awesome. with yours, Johnny, even though, okay, maybe it's typed instead of handwritten, the presentation is still more raw and dirty and not, like, super polished, even though, like, it's polished for what you're doing, right? But, like, <laughs> in the in the grand scheme of the world, right, it's not, like, this glossy magazine. And I think that's what we appreciate so much is that we get to see a part of – it's just a little bit more real, and you know it came – from a like a more direct place like there was a direct path kind of like tim was tim was talking like it's more of a direct conversation with the creator and you know sometimes that's messy and dirty and like i don't think i would (laughs) have it any other way so um what role do you think that zines are playing um sort of in the stationary community for me it's just stressful because now i have this like set of expectations that i've and it sort of put me off blogging a lot. But um, uh, a lot of other people are just like putting out more, which is awesome. Well, it's funny you said that about blogging yeah. is because I think it's 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 a different way to, you know, share your love for a certain topic in as traditional as blogs have become in a more non-traditional way as the zine, like which mm-hmm. used to be like super famous and super popular, you know, even, you know, not mainstream, but just like way more accessible, you know um, I know there's some zine shows now, but like you used to be able to go to, you know, like a record show or just any type of like event and just have all these, mm-hmm. you know, artistic zines or comic zines and people are just putting these together. Just, um, you know, very, very simple terms. And then I think that the digital world kind of did away with that. And now just like everything else, and while we see such a love for pens and pencils and analog tools and stationery, we're getting back into, oh, you know what? I don't have to do a blog to to do something creative or to share what I like. I can do a zine and kind of put my, my stamp on the world that way. And I, I think that's a really cool way to go about it. Yeah, it's it sounds like zines are what we all wish blogs could be. <laughs> you know? Yeah, or or like the zines are like the blog, like a post apocalyptic blog. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> like that. If if we if if all of us who are who are interested in this stuff and these blogs and reading the pen addict and like that, if if the, if we went off grid, like if you know. The, the world ended or something we'd like hold out hope that brad would be like printing this stuff on paper on like leaflets mm-hmm. and be like handing it out on the street and be like high tech c you need to try a high tech c <laughs> <laughs> go you you, <laughs> you need to lo- loot your local you know uh, office max and find this but uh <laughs> yeah just the yeah it's like i think i think we all 
secretly would probably prefer if all of our favorite blogs just did this and then mm-hmm. we got them in the mail and we could just look at them and hold them in our hands because it's the whole idea of the analog interest or the, yeah. like the, the, the analog hobby. That reader writer relationship goes both ways, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like the 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 writer or the the publisher. I'm sure loves that just as much as us. The, like the reader, you know, loves getting that insight. I'm sure the writer. It it's a more direct, you know, way to to have a discussion with people, and you know, as opposed to you know, a larger pub, larger, more official publications. Yeah, and um, you know, zines don't have a comment section, so. If yeah. somebody's going to respond, it's going to take <laughs> a right, they don't. Yeah, stamp or an email. Downvote. Yeah. <laughs> when you send me a zine, I'm just going to send you back a thumbs down picture or a thumbs up picture. <laughs> One and star. Just depending, on which way, depending on which way you open the envelope, you'll be like, did he like it or did he not like it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you guys had this. I mean, I've had this experience with your blogs, but sometimes people will just leave like this comments like, oh, this is stupid. Like, what, why did you bother to type that? But um, <laughs> people don't do that with zines. Like, they're not going to bother. You know, zines are making analog stuff analog, which is cool. When I write one, I don't personally feel the need to um, post my detailed review of the Ticonderoga, whatever, or the Tennessee Red, like I would on a blog. The way that Ed does his, it's not like, hey, here's this new pencil and why you should go buy it. It's like, I was using this pencil for a long time at work, and this is what I think of it. I mm-hmm. love that. Like, wouldn't feel the same on a blog or even typed out. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm thinking. It's funny how like that type of content wouldn't really translate to a blog. Like for a blog, I write a certain way. The, can I can I cuss on this podcast where you bleep, bleep bleep it out? For a zine, I want to read more about your stupid. Yeah. Like that's just <laughs> what I want to read about, which you're not going to get in my blog, right? And yeah. because it's it's written in a certain tone, and it would be weird if I just all of a sudden just like dropped like the zine format digitally like i wouldn't like that like it wouldn't work but in this kind of you know printed xeroxy you know cut and paste type of publication man just tell me about all that weird stuff and let's go (laughs) in the future because it seems like you know there's there's a certain momentum to this uh what do you guys want to see regarding uh, zines and stationery Brad said, bring us your weird. That could be like, you know, there's your, uh, that's, I feel like the, uh, the zine gives people in our little world an opportunity to write about the things that they love that aren't like SEO friendly or whatever. (laughs) Or like, uh, so just the, the great thing is that it gives people opportunity to get as specific and particular and picky as they want. Like to, you know, I mean, Johnny, I got a, you're, you're always giving me zine, uh, assignments that I may or may not be able to fulfill, but yours is the, uh, the French bit crystals, like, you know, do a whole thing about that. Like it's whatever your, whatever your thing is, whatever your brand of weird is, like you can, you can put it out there. And the great thing is that people just will come to it as they want it. So I think, I don't know, just more of them. Yeah. Period. Yeah. I want to see, uh, I want to see a washi tape zine and i want to see it in black and white just to mess with people <laughs> because all that stuff's so colorful and like you yeah. can write the descriptions of how cool the colors are but all this all the copies are going to just be in black and white and that would be sick <laughs> yeah so a couple months it, ago man. i texted brad and i was like i want to make a pen zine do you want to write the forward and he, he's like call me when you get a chance i'm like oh crap he's gonna tell me he's doing one already 
And then you you weren't, and I was happy for a second, and then I was disappointed. I'm like, oh, I want Brad to make a zine. I think that would be freaking awesome. No, he, he called you, and you, you had this whole like setup, and then you got on the phone with him, and he was like, no. I'll see if I can. I'll, I'll <laughs> see. just hung up. <laughs> yeah, no. I'll see if I can find you the image before before we get done. But when I decided to go work for myself and leave my day job and do the pen addict stuff for a living, I knew I was going to do a membership type of program, but I didn't know exactly what it'd be. I didn't know it was going to be the newsletter that I publish because the original idea for that was a zine, and I have this little sketch that I drew out on what the zine was going to be. And it was going to be called refill, which is what the, the membership uh, newsletter is called now. And I'll, I'll try to find that and we'll, I'll get it to you so you can put it in the show notes. But my original idea for what I would offer members would be a zine. And uh, that's how the newsletter itself got started. So not too late find that for you and put it in there. Yeah. It's got a little, like a little layout and how I was going to fold it and you know, stuff like that. So yeah. I think if you show that show that to us, then you have to do it at least like one issue. See how it goes. Yeah, I was gonna say like if I did that, maybe that could be like the annual. <laughs> yeah. That would be because, awesome because I wouldn't be able to take away the weekly newsletter. Hey, I found it. I wouldn't be able to take away the weekly uh, aspect of of what I do for the Panatic members now. But you know, once a year, do a physical copy. Man, I can't believe I just said this on a recording. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> publish, 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 publish. Yeah. <laughs> so there, I just put it in the note. I would love to see somebody make a singing about um like restoring vintage fountain pens that included, you know, diagrams and drawings. Like that would be oh, so yeah. awesome. And it's so to boring say fountain to read pens about. are kind of untouched in the so far. So I mean besides Johnny years, but like it's called Pencil Revolution and you just do the pen post, but like more pen zines would be great. Yeah. And, or a it, just like oh gosh that'd be so funny just kind of like what brad was saying but if somebody did an ink sample zine that was again all black and white where they just write <laughs> you write descriptions of the ink and try to like explain what it's I'm so <laughs> what mean. it looks like in the benefits but it's all photocopy <laughs> that's what it should be about that's what zines are man <laughs> so, it's like this is an issue of all red inks that i love <laughs> I was here, like this the, one in the Japanese this is Noodler's market. Tiananmen. What do you think? <laughs> they do these huge, huge stationery magazines in the Japanese market. I don't know if you've ever seen them, and they're they're like, you know, like twenty five US dollars, and they like literally have like hundreds and hundreds of color swatches of inks, and it's just like, man, that's crazy. Wow. And how do you print them accurately? I have no idea, but and I bet they're totally accurate. Yeah. So I wanted to do a uh, sort of like monthly zine or monthly zine, monthly ink with the um, penzine and just have a little card inside that had like a sample. And then I realized that I don't hate myself that much because that would take so long. But uh, yeah, do you guys have anything to add or any more questions? I don't know. I'm, I might be up for the, the ink of the month sample though. I, we, we might can tag team that. We'll see. We'll oh, yeah, that'll that. be fun. We all have writing samples using the ink. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a little too far. <laughs> <laughs> probably i would just i would just it would just be like this constant text of me like cussing out johnny i can't believe i agreed to do this yeah. <laughs> Man red this is the yeah. dumbest dumbest idea this is so die my ox blood <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that'd be great it's just you're basically just a it's a new way to troll people. If you want to get off the internet and still troll people, then just make a black and white zine about things that are colorful. Yes. <laughs> Zines just do them because they're fun. Yeah. Um, and um, 
the nineties, it was like expensive to do it because nobody was going to buy it. If you made one, so we were just making copies. But now with Etsy, you can not lose money when you make zines, which is nice. And even like, Maybe be able to replace your printer when you kill it making scenes like I think. <laughs> so um, I'm going to button this one up and tell yeah, folks where we can find you on the internet. Do you want to go first, Brad? You can find me at pinaddict.com. That's where you can go and find all the things that I'm into instead of listing out all of the randomness <laughs> um, because there's there's a lot. Um, can and you, it seems can you spell growing. that, please? <laughs> uh, I, I we're not familiar. <laughs> I have links to all the things. One of the, the newest fun things, well, it's not new. I've been doing it for quite a while, is uh, I stream on Twitch and that's been a really, really enjoyable experience to get a bunch of stationary people live on twitch to talk about pens and paper and inks and do a lot of shows and show and tells and some pen cleanings so that's been really fun you can find the link to that on penaddict.com you can find me on twitter at tim wassum and i'm on instagram at timothy wassum i'm at pencilrevolution.com and on social media you can find us at erasable.us this is episode 168 so it would be erasable.us slash 168 you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Erasable Podcast. And you can join our group, which is really awesome, at facebook.com slash groups slash just erasable. These are our patrons from Patreon who are producers and make this all possible. David Johnson, Phil Munson, Nate Ryback, Donnie Pierce, Bill Black, Miriam Bookout, Allison Zapita, Diana Oakley, Tom Keekley, Andre Torres, Kyle. Paul Moorhead, Andrew Squish, Ali Sarah, Jamelia, Stephen Fensali, Aaron Willard, O.A. Pryor, Karen Peabody, Millie Blackwell, Chris L., Hunter McCain, Bob Ostwald, Michael Dialosa, Jocelyn Myers, or Jacqueline Myers, I'm sorry, Tana Feliz, Ann Sight, Joe Crace, Measure Twice, Michael Hagen, Chris Metzkes, Bill Clow, Random Thinks, Jason Dill, Dave McDonald, Mary Collis, Alex Jonathan Brown, Andre Prevost, Kathleen Rogers, Bobby Letzinger, Fourth Letter, Kelton Weens, Scott Hayes, Hans Noodleman, Jay Newton, Dave Tudman, Chris Jones, and Tom Wood. Thank you guys very much, and we'll see you in two weeks. Turn it off.